Today's episode of MBSing is sponsored by MakeSpace. Wish you had more space in your home? Use MakeSpace. They'll pick up, store, and deliver your stuff. Get started at MakeSpace.com and use code CHICAGO50 to get $50 of free storage. MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today was Katie Upke, and she talks to me about her love of Harry Potter. And this was a joy for me to get to do, as I'm a big fan of the series as well. I don't know too many people who have given it a shot and um, not enjoyed something about it. Uh, I, I think we speak to that pretty well during the episode. There's just a lot here that people can... Um, relate to and just really delve into it's this fully fleshed out world of um i was gonna say people i guess they are people but witches and wizards more accurate uh we both share the same favorite book in the series and we share a lot of similar views on the films but uh katie sent me a follow-up message um that she wished she had mentioned during the show that the Bobatons and Durmstrang schools were made single sex in the films, uh, but in the books they're co-ed. Uh, she says you can have feminine, feminine boys and masculine girls. Floor was the best in her school, not just the best in a school of girls. That's an important distinction. Okay, rant over. I agree with her rant, and I think it was worth tagging on here. Uh, she also said that uh, there's kind of an Easter egg at the Adler Planetarium where she used to work. She speaks to at one point during the show that on the lower level next to the Delphinity Theater is a giant silver ball that kind of looks like the Death Star. Um, it's called the Atwood Sphere and it's over 100 years old and it's the oldest working planetarium in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, I've been there and seen it. It's very cool. Um, a good chunk of the tour guides are huge Harry Potter fans, so if you mention you're a Harry Potter fan and want a Harry Potter tour, depending on your guide, it can consist of constellations and stars that the characters in the series are named after. It's five extra dollars on top of the regular entrance fee, but it's totally worth it. That sounds super dope. So if you're ever around the planetarium and want a little uh, Harry Potter fun in your visit, I would definitely recommend that. Um, she, while she was at Columbia, was a part of a group called the Muggles Association, and they put on a, an event that the Nerdalogs have been involved in in the past called the Columbia Geek Culture Gala. Um, or CG2. Next year, it's going to be April 22nd and 23rd. Um, they put that on with in association with the Whovians and Jam, which is Japanese anime and manga. And it was a very, very cool thing to be a part of in the past for us. We threw a big show uh, for them and with them the last time uh, they did it in 2015. And uh, if that sounds fun uh, to you at all, uh, put it in your cow. Check it out. Support those guys. Um, they do it, it's free with a suggestion donation towards a charity, and it's just a good celebration of a bunch of, uh, college-age folks loving the things that they love. Um, she's also, speaking of things that people love, Halloween, 
coming up this weekend. Katie's doing some tours with Sea Dog Cruises on Navy Pier. She has one at 6.15 on Friday, October 30th. So if you want to hear what she's got to say on that sweet, sweet Navy Pier Sea Dog Cruise about some spooky haunted stories, check that out. If you want to go on Halloween proper with other tour guides, those are 6.15 and 8.15. Tickets are available on the website and at the pier. If you are still looking for something to do on Halloween, uh, you can go to Red Moon Theater's Bone Shaker event that Katie is a part of. That's at 9 p.m. Tickets are also available on that website and on location. And I have one more week of shows with Splatter Theater. I know for a fact that the 8 o'clock show this Saturday is already sold out, so if you want to see the show, come at 10 p.m. Halloween night. Get your tickets in advance. Uh, every Thursday night, I do the fishbowl at 9.30 at the Annoyance. If you're a student, this is specifically of note because you can come put your... Uh, a student of improv, really a student of anything. If you're a person, come and put your student ID or your regular ID or whatever you want to put in to the fishbowl and play along with the fine people that we have booked for that show. And then see my group, Sight Unseen, close it out I think that's all I've got. I think that's all this needs. This made me want to go back and read these books and watch these movies and just, like, remember what that world is like. Um, and this actually uh, predated the announcement that um, the Harry Potter musical was going to be a, uh, or I guess it's just a stage show. I don't know if it's a musical or not. It's a stage show in the West End of London. Uh, during this recording, we both thought it was going to be a prequel about James and Lily Potter. Apparently, it is a, uh, follow-up, a sequel, and it's going to be about Albus Severus, who in this episode, we agree, has a terrible name. Um, so, I mean, we're getting some hot and fresh Harry Potter takes for this ep. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and thank you so much to the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you like this show, I bet you'd like One Shot. It's an actual play podcast that records improvisers, game designers, and other notable nerds playing RPGs. Every month brings a new game, cast of characters, in a self-contained adventure. Thank you so much to the co-op for coordinating sponsors and for creating a community of podcasters and listeners here in Chicago. Thanks. I'm just going to let it keep recording and we'll okay. just roll right into this bad boy. Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> so for those of you who just tuned in, we were ranting about how version 10 of GarageBand is ridiculous. It's bullshit. I usually use an older version because the update sucks. So Apple... Um, I know that you think you're, like, on top of the world, but sometimes you fix things in a way that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. My guest today is Katie Epke. Hey, guys. Do you prefer Katie or Catherine? Uh, Katie. Uh, Catherine I use professionally and for auditions, but if I know you on a personal level, I prefer that you, you like call me that Katie. I call you Katie. Yes. How would you like me to bill you for this episode? Oh, that is a fantastic question. Right? Because um. <laughs> that, that definitely, like, 
changes things. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to tell me no. That's not, if you want to like later on, this will go up, cool. uh, less than a week from today. Give me a chance to think about it. Yeah. Um, because this is a Harry Potter episode, I think it's only fair that my bill include my house, which is Hufflepuff. So. Nice. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> resident Hufflepuff of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Utke of House Hufflepuff. Yeah. Uh, love it. That's great. Um, just to, you know, get this out of the way. I don't know if I've said this on podcast before. I know that you're a big fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a Gryffindor. I did get Pottermore certified uh, to that uh, yeah. nature. Po- Potter for, pot, sorry, Potter for, Pottermore put me into Slytherin. Uh, but Pottermore is wrong. Really? <laughs> yes. So you're a self-identifying I Hufflepuff. Am, I am a self-identifying Hufflepuff, and literally every other quiz that I've taken has put me in Hufflepuff. Interesting. Taken has put me in Hufflepuff, except for the except for the occasional Ravenclaw, and then the bad ones that always put you in Gryffindor because the bad answers yeah. is Slytherin, and the good answers is Gryffindor, yeah. and fuck the other two. That's like every yeah. There's a very many online quizzes that are just like I know where this is going, and I think that's what's shied me away from doing them because it's like you know where this is going to end up um uh be based on like yeah. the kinds of questions yeah. that it asks. There, there was a tumblr post that like perfectly um perfectly described that uh bad bad harry potter quiz uh colon uh, the Gryffindor answer, very, very brave thing or reckless thing. Uh-huh. Uh, Hufflepuff answer, very, very shy thing. Uh, <laughs> Ravenclaw, very, very geeky thing. Yeah. Slytherin, motherfucking snakes, bitches! <laughs> <laughs> See, that's not it. Yeah, like, I wouldn't even, when I think of Hufflepuffs, I don't think of shyness, really. Yeah. Um... People just be trying to put people in boxes in the wrong way. Uh, yeah, the series <laughs> kind of did that to you, though. You're not wrong. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so what's the uh, what do you feel is the uh, origin of your love for Harry Potter? Okay, so I was like in third or fourth grade. I think I can't remember which book it was because um, I remember when they were having midnight parties for the fourth book. So I was probably right around when the third book, and my parents were reading it, and they were like, "Katie, you should read this. We think you would love it. You're a lot like Hermione." But it was Aww. my parents. It was very cute. But, you know, I was that third grader who was like, my parents are suggesting it. And I'm like, no. I wasn't even defiant. I was just like, no. There's no, no way I'll I don't like want it. to. No. And there and then fourth grade happened and then Katie, you should really read this. And I'm like, no. And then fifth grade, the first Harry Potter film came out and that was right when I think Netflix started being a thing. So we got the that Sounds about right. Yeah, so we got uh, Sorcerer's Stone on Netflix and my mom was like, "Okay, you won't read the books, let's at least watch the film." And I'm like, "Okay, a two-hour film is less of a commitment than a chapter then book. sitting down. Or, so yeah, yeah. I will, I will watch the film, and then I will prove to my mom that I'm not <laughs> that actually. This isn't for me. This. That's so. Funny. And then the <laughs> film ended, and then I looked at my mom, and we're like, "So we, I, we have the second book, house, right? <laughs> I didn't even read the first. That book. That shit un- hardcore backfired. Yeah, I didn't even oh, really? read the first book until high school because I was like, I've seen the film. There's no point in this. And then by the time I hit high school, I was like, I should probably read the first book since That's I've read so every single other one and a bunch of light bulbs went off i was like oh oh that explains a bunch of stuff in the later books that i didn't get 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny you say, you know, a two-hour film is less of a commitment. Uh, they also have less time and place to put things into. That is true. And that's it's, it's also interesting considering that I think the first film is the film that cut the least stuff out or yeah, edited the least amount because it's, it's the shortest book. They mm-hmm. could fit more of it in there. It's definitely one of the most comprehensive movies. Uh, it's a pretty strict... I mm-hmm. think Chris Columbus did a great oh, job yeah, of doing pretty strict, like... Uh, translations of the books onto film um he was also uh at least i'm not saying the other directors didn't read the books but he was probably (laughs) the one who was the most forward thinking and that there will be a sequel uh because i was watching with another harry potter fan and they had noticed in the first film uh where you see ron and hermione and harry walking out on the courtyard to go see Hagrid at his hut, mm-hmm. you can see some pink smoke in one of the towers. And uh, that specifically is mentioned in the third book, that that's what it looks like when Professor Trelawney has her say, divination class. Trelawney. So he had read enough he that was he like was able to put game. in a couple that's of these cool. Easter eggs. That's very cool. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, Harry Potter is definitely one of those difficult things where um, – the movies really had to ride the line mm-hmm. of like being for the hardcore book yeah. readers and just being able to exist as mm-hmm. like one movie. And as much as I love the films, because for whatever reason, I'm one of those fans just in general who can be like, the film is different than the thing, yes. therefore I can enjoy it. I think that's how everyone <laughs> should view these things. Yes. There's a huge problem in nerd culture with people being like, no, they did oh everything God. I, I have a small rant about that, but I'm going to get to that in a second. Sure. Um, but I kind of wish the films had waited until the seventh book came out only because there's so much stuff that's set up in the first book that doesn't pay off until the seventh that the later films suffer, at least I think, a little bit because they have to squeeze in things yes. that happened in other books because, oh, it has God, to, like, make this was established in book one yeah. and we did not realize this was important. Quick, shove it into film <laughs> six where it makes no sense. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Like, Snape's storyline seemingly gets tacked on into yeah. the films when it was, like, yeah. pretty, like... Although, set up. yes, although apparently, um, to Alan Rickman's credit, um, J.K. Rowling told him first film, this is Snape's backstory. Really? So even if that's not established in the script, that is you what Alan, that's what Alan Rickman was acting throughout the entire That's films. cool. I fucking love and, Alan um, Rickman. really upset. What great casting, though. Yeah, I know. That, I, that, that, that casting, oh my God. The, the, like, <laughs> he, he specifically is like one of yeah. my favorite casting choices, but I think across the board, they did a pretty good yeah. job. The the Oscar that the Oscar of the adult actors in that films really deserve some Oscar nominations and I'm really pissed off that like the Oscars have not figured out how to be like oh you played this character in multiple films and we saw a character arc through multiple films yeah. but we're not going to acknowledge that at the Oscars because it's one film per year and I'm just yeah. like no Alan Rickman deserved all of the Oscars and like for that. weirdly there's def- like weirdly there that kind of thing. I don't think that specifically has been acknowledged, but there are plenty of other franchise movies where, like, I mean, think of Return of the King. Mm-hmm. Like, that thing set records for how many Oscars it was nominated for. And I don't even think, I'm not a, a huge Lord of the Rings person. It's like, and I could see, I think the just like grandeur mm-hmm. of those movies is what garnered them Oscar attention. But, like, I agree I with th- you. I think it's also a generational thing because Lord of the Rings was that generation's Harry Potter. But because True the that. technology was not updated up to that point, um, when it was finally put to film, these were 
people who were kids at that time where yeah. this was their this was their world this was the thing they were into and oh my god on screen give all of the awards whereas when harry That's potter whereas when harry potter finished it got two jokes at the oscars that year by billy crystal and that was it and that <laughs> bothered me yeah, so much that's so hard yeah that's a really hard thing like, i know but like yeah. i it you really want the thing that you love the most to get recognized at those kinds of things but like the as years go by especially my relationship with oscar or with like uh t- tv and film awards has mm-hmm. definitely changed over the last few years because yeah. My favorite thing is Parks and Recreation, mm-hmm. and for it to never have garnered any, yeah. any attention, I'm just like, fuck awards. No, like, I, I know that's my favorite thing. <laughs> I feel kind of the same way. The only, or, I mean, part of it is that I don't have cable, but the only awards show I even bother to catch is the Tonys because yeah. you don't see theater on TV all that often. So mm-hmm. it's like one of the few times of the year where I can be like crazy musical theater geek and the rest of the nation will be along with me. For um, for sure. I totally get that. Yeah. And um, to that. So back what we were talking about before, though, with the, if you have not seen the films, you are not a true fan, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, my entire family is really into Harry Potter. My parents and I have read all of the books. Uh Two of my sisters have read some of the books and or have listened to some of the audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And one of my sisters has not read any of them. It's, but we, you, it's your parents and four girls. Parents and four girls, yeah. <laughs> and where do you fall in the... I am the oldest. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so anyway, um, but we are a big Harry Potter family. We've all watched all the films. Even if we didn't read the books, we still went to the midnight book releases. We went to a good chunk of the midnight showings. All together, like all six of you? Yes. Or, uh, or, 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 or five of us as if many. someone had a conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, That's amazing. I love that. We've been to Harry Potter World twice, both uh, before Diagon Alley was there and then after Diagon Alley was there. I've heard it's amazing. Yeah, and I mean, we talk, we talk about Harry Potter a lot, and... I mean, I'm the oldest. I was born in 1992. I was 10 when I saw the first Harry Potter film. So all of my sisters and I have grown up with Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's part of our development as human beings. So whenever I see that, uh, it just reads in my head as, as like, your development as a human being is invalid because it does not match my own experience. I'm just like, no. No, stop! No, go yeah. back. Go back into your cave of awful, and then oh, reemerge sure. after you have destroyed like, all is... of your Horcruxes <laughs> and gotten your full soul back. Because I do not have time for this bullshit. Just too personal a thing for anyone to be accusing of being like uh, invalid. Yeah, basically. It's, I'm just like that's, that's stop. Just yeah, stop. I that's really really cool. I I have um, a similar relationship to it in that like everyone. I'm pretty sure everyone in my family has seen both seen all the movies and read all the books but my brother i'm four years older than you Mm -hmm. and my brother is five years older than that Mm -hmm. so i think it like missed us a little as a like family doing it together Mm -hmm. like i definitely i remember getting all three of the first books um right after prisoner of azkaban came out so it was before any of the Mm -hmm. films had come out i got them for christmas from my grandmother and i was just like oh yeah these look cool and like started into the first one and like plowed through all three and then the Mm -hmm. like 
mania started yeah, no, you know what i no, mean the fourth book was out by the time um i had started reading it yeah. it wasn't until like after i'd finished the fourth book that i was waiting for the fifth one uh and i was just yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but i remember um the fifth one being sold in stores and the illustrator of the american versions of the books was located in minneapolis i'm from st paul minnesota originally so i remember the creative kid stuff at the children's museum in minnesota was selling versions of order of the phoenix that were autographed by the illustrator oh, because she cool. was a local illustrator oh, that's awesome i do not ha- i do not we did not get those versions because we had you know gotten them Already. at the midnight release and right. ordered like three copies of them because my parents and i wanted to read them oh the but same uh, time. Yeah. we were just like we can't wait we're just gonna order multiple copies and then after we've all read it we'll give the extra books to the local goodwill yeah i don't think we ever ended up doing that but it was like threatened around the last couple books because usually i read it first and yeah. then my parents would get it after i did i, I finished deathly hallows in a day <laughs> no we got it I, I, we got home at like 1 or 2 a.m because the local barnes and noble was really close by yeah. and then i read like the first couple chapters and passed out at like 5 a.m yeah on the living room yeah uh, woke up at 10 a.m and then just, just grabbed started the book, reading again went into my parents bedroom so i would not be bothered and did not re-emerge until 6 p.m when oh i had finished the book. oh my god <laughs> so that's that entire, crazy that entire saturday was me reading deathly hallows that'll do it that's so great i can't I've never done that in my life. Not if I had done it with anything, it probably would have been a Harry Potter book. Mm-hmm. The, one of the one of the first two Hunger Games books I plowed through in yeah. like over the course of like twenty four yeah. hours, but it's just like a lot of commutes and yeah. like they're not very long reads to begin with. Um, but that was even when I did that, and that was like as you know a grown ass yeah. adult. Even when I did that, I was like. Oh, I just finished a whole book in like yeah. a day and a half. I just, I'm not that good of a reader. I, yeah, I was the sort of person when I was younger would plow through books. Like whenever the new series of Unfortunate Event books came out, yeah. that was gone. That was finished within like the next four hours. Wow. I finished Wicked in a day, um, but I also was a big musical theater geek. So I was reading the book Wicked while I had the Wicked soundtrack playing. Of course, and, of um, course. I was at a family reunion, but I was just like, hey, cool people I've never met, I'm going to read. And, <laughs> listen to wicked <laughs> that's i i remember when the fourth harry potter book came out i was like pretty um like i was pretty angry because <laughs> because we were going on a family vacation to oh, alaska okay. and it, i thought i was gonna miss the release date like oh, we were no. traveling like on the day it came out and i was just like no i could have it right now oh god and we were flying to seattle where my grandparents uh and my aunt and uncle live uh and then we were all leaving from there to go on this uh cruise and i was like what a shitty kid for me to be like i'm angry because i'm doing this amazing thing but i can't read harry potter like but to uh, be fair i totally would have been that kid. yeah <laughs> I, I i i think a lot of people can relate to looking back on t- at times in their lives like that but this story ends with <laughs> me getting to my grandmother and grandma's or grandmother and grandfather's house and them having a copy of the book that they had like pre-ordered and got shipped to their house oh so I was on the cruise and like everywhere I went on the cruise, I'm just carrying this yeah, the giant the- book everywhere with me. As a result, it got like a broken spine, oh, like man. pages were falling out of it. But rest assured that every time I wasn't like trying to take something in uh, about Alaska, I was That's great. reading Harry Potter. Well, the fourth <laughs> Harry Potter book is my favorite. That's so. my favorite too. Oh my God. Thank you. 
Thank you so much. The Triwizard Tournament is yes. the fucking best. And my favorite scene in the entire series is the Quidditch World Cup, just because of yeah. all of the references that are made that now as an... Uh, when I was younger, I was like, oh, this is so cool. But now as an adult, I'm just like, oh, oh, I see what you did there, J.K. Rowling. I see that. Yeah, there's like, that's definitely, I mean, I think a lot of people cite the third one being kind of a turn into like darker Harry Potter. I took a Harry Potter class on the, I took a Harry Potter class in college. Really? I can definitely break down like oh, how it's set up. Amazing. So it's set up, I can't remember what the official term is, but the books are set up to sort of be a mirror of each other. Like the first book is the mirror of the seventh book. Okay. The second book is the, the mirror of the sixth book mm-hmm. and vice versa. Third book is the mirror of the fifth book. And then the fourth book is the turning point. Oh, so, dope. I love that. And that was I could totally. Setup. Fucking see that. That is like mind blowing. Yep. Oh uh, my God. That was yeah, one of the thinking, best classes I ever took. Uh, I'm sure that you're <laughs> losing your. This was at Columbia, right? Yeah, this is at Columbia College. The whole class was a Harry Potter. The whole Potter. class was a Harry Potter class. So we looked at like the in, the fairy, t- fairy tale influences. So we read cool. the classic fairy tales. Uh, one of we had three pa- three projects that we had to do. Had to write a paper on symbolism. Um, I wrote about Harry being the seeker and what that means in literature and what that means throughout the story. We had to write a character paper, so I wrote a very long, passionate paper about Nymphadora Tonks, who is a <laughs> yes! fantastic character. So fantastic, I love her. Uh, she is Tonks is she, the best. She is in my top three of favorite characters in the series. And then um, the final project. Uh, because, you know, it's an art school. So it was like, you could write a paper or you could do a creative thing. <laughs> so I wrote a not very good acapella song about the Black Sisters. Yes. <laughs> cool. That's so funny. And it was it was great. That's was such a good class. So funny. If you are attending Columbia College, you will take that class. Wait until you're a senior because it is absolutely impossible to get into until you have first priority. But that do doesn't it. surprise it me. It is worth your money. <laughs> That's cool. I've been thinking a lot recently about how I think that uh, school in general um, could benefit from, like, um, trying to teach things that students are more interested in. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like you said, like, you you didn't just cover Harry Potter. And I'm sure that even, like, and there's nothing wrong with just covering Harry Potter because it's such a dense, like, interesting story. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you learn about how, like, the books parallel one another as they go on and... And there's so much, you know, to unpack there. But I just think that we do so much to preserve, like, old literature that is so hard to relate to that people just, like, turn off. Yeah, I read an interesting – I can't remember what this was. It was probably on Tumblr, so take this with a grain of salt. Uh. (laughs) Um, But it was was a thing about how Lord of the Flies – uh, teachers sort of make students read this because it's like this is all about how monster how monstrous you all are deep darkness, inside. Yeah. And then someone was like, "No, this is about white boys in like England at a certain period of time where they would have not have been able to survive. We are not all white boys in this time period." Exactly. I think I'm not saying that we would necessarily be. They're not saying we would necessarily be more resourceful, but maybe this isn't. Maybe. A snapshot of how life was like at a certain time is not exactly representative of all of us all of the time in all cultures all around the world. Exactly. That's exactly what kind of thing I've really had. Like, a friend of mine's in grad school in a program that's, like, 
geared towards changing curriculum like that. Like mm-hmm. in, in especially in like uh, poverty stricken areas where the education is at really terrible levels. It's like so much of that is just because there's so much shit that people just can't relate yeah, to. Like, exactly. I remember reading, trying to read Great Expectations, and I was just oh. like, this is the worst thing I've ever tried to like trudge through. I'm trying to remember what examples of that was for me because I really liked it because I went to a Montessori okay. charter school sort of cool. the first of its kind of America. So, nice. the, so the books that we read were... Also in Minnesota? Con- yes, also in Minnesota, right in St. Paul. Um, I didn't come to Chicago until I started college. Mm-hmm. But um, so it was slightly different. Um, but I remember having to pull up the spark notes for Apocalypse Now because I was just like, <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck is going on here. That being said we also read things apocalypse now we also no not apocalypse now heart of darkness Uh, we then watched apocalypse now because our teacher was like okay this book we're not understanding this book so we need to watch this and then we also read things fall apart which uh chinua achebe wrote in response to heart of darkness cool and everybody in my class loved that i've heard of things fall apart things that fall apart is really good yeah it's so good it's it's very much like a shakespearean tragedy sort of where you have a character who starts up really high and due to his fate flaw you see him sort of fall descend into uh, descend into badness for (laughs) lack of a better term sure but uh, a day in the life of ivan i'm gonna butcher this name because it's russian ivan vanisevich or whatever i I know what you're talking about i just could not get through that book was really hard for me and i just yeah i did not care for it i'm sure i'm sure it's a great book no offense to the author i just no not my thing couldn't do it (laughs) yeah i can remember a few things in high school i i really trudged through um age of innocence and pretty much anything else in that like general uh edith warden like jane austen type genre and like i get that other people enjoy that and it worked for them and i realized recently that like i tried to watch a movie of that similar vein far from the maddening crowd okay um that came out this past year to to good reviews but i was just like man i just don't care like oh this lady's doing stuff that ladies didn't traditionally do in that time i get it i can like i see a lot of i think a lot of things get made like that and it's like is this actually interesting anymore (laughs) why can't we just like tell stories about like i don't know badass ladies doing badass things which brings us back to harry potter hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) so many badass ladies doing badass things (laughs) absolutely and being some of the like smartest and most like best leaders yes oh my god (laughs) yeah it's so good for stuff like that yeah i I love it so much i really um my top three favorite characters i was just about to ask are hermione granger because obvious reasons uh (laughs) luna lovegood and the nymphadora tonks Mm -hmm. but recently i have also gained a lot of love and appreciation uh for molly weasley uh professor mcgonagall and to some extent, Professor Trelawney. That's great. I love that. I'm like all six strong, yes. badass yes, ladies. All of them. Because I, I am a misandrist. <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> We're just Beyonce after for president. That truly warms my fucking heart. Uh, it's true. It's, it's exactly what you think. We're all trying to fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> I got my wand. Just, 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 just wait. I got my wand at Universal Studios. What's your wand? <laughs> Hermione, because obvious reasons. Nice. Um, though I dress up as a Hufflepuff when I go to conventions. Okay. And I get confused for Hermione all the time. And I'm just like, 
yes but no yeah although i had someone call me miss bones once and then i was just like thank you that's thank you for actually reading what the house i'm wearing is yeah 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 (laughs) i also think that there's a lot of fun i was thinking about this on the way here that like harry potter cosplay in a lot of senses is just like normal clothes but with the right tie yeah (laughs) yeah like i am like i have oh you can you can tell how cheap this costume is because i got because i have um a sweater vest kind of that like someone sewed the arms and the collar and thing onto as opposed it's kind of like one of those clip-on bow ties except Mm -hmm. in sweater vest button shirt form i know i know what kind of thing you're talking about (laughs) yeah Uh, a pencil skirt from Banana Republic because I grew because I got way too big for the plaid skirt that I got. Uh, knee socks that have yellow and white on the top that now have ridiculous amounts of holes in them because of how often I've worn them. <laughs> a pair of kind of nice shoes, a Hufflepuff tie, a uh, judge's robe that I got at Goodwill that I nice. uh, put the vel- like, Velcro the uh, patch onto. Very and cool. And then I just sort of wear like a yellow and black headband and that's your like go-to cosplay and that 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 is my that is my hufflepuff cosplay not necessarily my go-to cosplay because i've got a shitload of fandoms okay but that is the harry potter cosplay that i have nice i am i dressed up for the seventh book release um i was just wearing like jeans and converse but i did like i went and bought i think the only thing i had to go buy were i went to a salvation army Mm -hmm. and i bought like a gray uh sweater vest and i found the perfect like burgundy and gold diagonal striped tie very nice um so it's like i mean slap that on me and i'm jenny weasley like (laughs) and i wore my i actually wore my high school graduation gown because it was just like black and i had a like cheap one that someone had gifted me at some point before i had that um because that's what i wore because that's basically what i wore to deathly hallows part two but deathly hallows part one i did not have a costume so i um i pulled a black dress that i had out of my closet um, so you've done something different for like all the releases no, just, or the, just the final two where i really dressed up okay. uh, for the fourth one i uh did not have a costume either so i uh put on a pink zip-up jacket that i had in jeans and said i was hermione from the third film nice but um for there Death, you go deathly hallows part two um i put on a black dress uh, i had some black tights and black shoes I did a very wonky dark mark on my arm. I did a weird ponytail in my hair, and then I just put on a shitload of black eyeshadow and then picked up a stick off the ground and was like, I'm Bellatrix! Yeah. There you go, baby. That's all it takes. I was, I was laughing because I was like, I mean, that's basically the same as, like, if you cosplay as one of the doctors. It's just yeah. like, you're putting on, like, normal, like, British-y-ass clothes, but throwing a tie on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, all of my, all of my cosplays, because I can't sew for shit it's and i can't do really good makeup it's just like what can i get for cheap and yeah. just cobble together i think i think those are the best costumes i mean unless like there's a difference between like throwing something together that like is unrecognizable and doing like a full-on like you see them at cons people are taking picture with them yeah. kind of cosplay but like i i like the th- things that exist like somewhere in between where yeah. pe- someone you know effort was obviously put into it but they didn't spend like you know they didn't like mold yeah. foam and shit like yeah, that Yeah, no, and i appreciate people who can do that i have a friend who like makes all of her own clothes and it's just one of the best cosplayers i've seen period and you know, I obviously believe she should get recognized for her work, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's always kind of nice when I just put together a really shitty closet, co- closet 
cosplay, and then I'll go to con, and people are like, "Oh my god, you're what a what a what." I have nice. a Ka- I have a Kaylee Fry cosplay that actually has a little bit of sewing work because I convinced my mom to help me sew on some nice. of the patches on the jumpsuit, and I'll sometimes wear it, and like Firefly, Firefly fans will be like, "Oh my god, you're Kaylee! I need to take a picture with you." That's and it's great. great. I love that. <laughs> One of my favorite cosplay that I ever saw was at C two E two a couple years ago. This guy dressed as uh, the guy from Brave Little Toaster. I remember that. And he had a vacuum and it had the face on it and he had like all the characters on the vacuum and he looked impeccable and all the characters yeah. looked amazing. It was like I was losing my mind. Yeah, the one that I saw last year uh, that I really got excited about, which considering we're recording this the day after Back to the Future Day is very fitting. Uh, yes. There was a husband and wife who dressed up as uh, Doc Brown and Clara from the third film. Cool. And then their little baby in the stroller was dressed up as Marty's shitty 50s cowboy That's costume and it was just like oh my god this is the cutest thing yeah babies and dogs are definitely like a real unfair advantage when it comes to cosplay yeah <laughs> and then cats just have an unfair advantage about everything in general yeah because you can't take them around they don't want to no. wear clothes <laughs> it depends on the cat i've seen a couple like lion cat cosplays where okay. they got the cat to put on like a little lion's mane nice i've seen a lot of really simple star wars uh for cats yeah. cosplay things popping yeah. up recently that makes sense as that is uh, a very hot topic a thing that is happening a thing that is indeed happening it is indeed happening do you ever foresee uh i know that this has been like in the ether a lot just because of the nature of the beast but like do you ever foresee there actually being some kind of like follow-up or sequel to harry potter I don't think J.K. Rowling is ever going to publish another book. I think not... Another Harry Potter book. Another Harry Potter book. My apologies. I don't think she's ever going to publish another Harry Potter book, but I think that with Pottermore and with Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which is the prequel coming out in the West End in a couple years, and then her writing the screenplay to Fantastic Beasts. That's a stage show. It's a stage show, yes. Interesting. I think I had heard about that, but I didn't realize... She, uh, She is not writing the script to it, but she is working with the script writers on it. Uh, to do the prequel to Harry Potter. It's called Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and I think they recently just released, like, the advertisement art for it. Um, But I know that she's writing the script to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Right. uh, Which I am very excited about. And they've already announced some casting Yeah, Eddie Redmayne's going to be leading it. I'm a little disappointed because a part of me is just like, ugh. These books are so white, you yeah. have, you, 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 and you don't, and you can't even argue canon with this because I know that when you were writing them, you were imagining most of these characters as white, which yes. is problematic in and of itself. And we're not going to get into that, yes. but people wouldn't even have been able to cite canon as for why you couldn't have cast a person of color. And then you go with Eddie Redmayne, and I'm and just he's like, like the whitest dude in the world. I'm just like why? Yeah. Why? But I'll still see it at midnight yeah. because I am a crazy person. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's very. But yeah, you like things you like. Yeah, and with Pottermore, I don't think she's ever going to write another Harry Potter book unless it's, like, in the same vein of Tales of Beetle the Bard sure. or, like, Quidditch Through the Ages or like Fantastic a, Beasts, where uh, it's, like, in... It's in-world, but it's not necessarily a continuation of yes, the story. Yes, and it's done for a charity reason, because all of those oh. books were written uh, to raise money for... I can't remember what the specific charities were, but they were raised... Each one was for a different... E- each one cool. was for a charity. Very cool. Uh, so I mean, she's definitely doing perfectly well first <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> have i told you about our queen and savior jk Rowling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so she kind of has like a a a, a lore around her in and of herself yes. i would say she uh she was a homeless mother uh while she, uh while she was writing the first book um and she was rejected by 
different well-known publishers, I think, like five or six times or so until she came upon, until there was a publisher uh, that wasn't as well-known that decided, yes, we will take this book and we will publish it. Uh, and then it became a worldwide phenomenon, and she became rich <laughs> and all overnight. those other publishers. And all those like, other publishers Whoa! were just like, "Damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she she is very she very much has a rags to riches story going. But her, but the notoriety of the first one definitely was like immediate. Yes. It, okay. So I, I maybe, think so. I, I think you're right. I don't remember, um, I mean, again, I didn't read the first book, and I've done quite a bit of research on this, but not as much research as I should to be prepared for this podcast. Hey, man, um. you, I would venture to say that you're probably one of the more knowledgeable guests regarding their topic, period, so yeah, I, don't, well, I don't think too many people are come on here and talk about something that they've taken an entire class on at Yeah, that's level, true, so. but I, I took that class because I already knew a bunch about the topic, so I was, there you part go. of it, I think, was just because I wanted to be Is the Hermione of the classroom and be like, I know this. I know the answer to this. Let me be the smart person. I can do this. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. Of course you did. Yeah, of course Of, I of did. course that's, that's what it totally was. That's totally what I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's I so, am that person. But that's also like such a college senior thing to do too. That's true. I definitely I took a communication class my senior year of college. Mm-hmm. And it's because I had a couple of like classes that I could pass fail with, so yeah. I just pass failed it. So I basically just like cobbled together speeches and showed up for class yeah. and was fine. Yeah. Well, by the time I was in my senior year, because I had organized all of my classes of like, okay, these are the required classes that I have to take. These are the electives, and I will, because I get more um, choice my senior year, I want that year to be my electives. So sure. then I'm more likely to get into the classes that I That's want. That's the best way to so do I it. So I pretty anyway. much mapped out all of my school year, and it was the final semester of my senior year that I took that class. Perfect. It was totally worth it. Um, <laughs> I'm still friends with that teacher on Facebook. That's awesome. <laughs> and I think I post so much Harry Potter stuff all the time, and she always <laughs> likes it. So I think it's going to be one of those things of like, I'm going to be a student she's not going to forget just because I spent so much fucking time posting Harry Potter <laughs> things on Facebook. That's great. <laughs> what, what do you think did you ever get a chance to talk to her about like what inspired her to teach a class like that i did not really get a chance to um i do know um because i took the tolkien class a semester before because cool. i had not read lord of the rings and i can i, I can haven't. i can hear the entire people listening to this <gasps> podcast bunch of fans being upset but i was I like think that shit is boring <laughs> i was just like i need to read these books these are part of the cultural lexicon sure the sure. easiest way i can make sure that happens is if i take a class Doing on it, it because then it will credit. be graded there you go and it helped because both the teacher and the other classmates who had read the books were giant fans and maybe it's because i spent a lot of time around like classmates in high school who were super into world of warcraft and i didn't play it but still understood what was going on yes. due to their passion of it i think part of me just learns about things better when i'm surrounded by other people oh. who are very passionate about that topic i relate to that so hard <laughs> like so i had a conversation with someone today about that because like i know so much about magic the gathering i have played <laughs> magic the gathering once and I had to, well, technically, I played a full game once. I've, like, sat in for someone and had other people, like, walk me through the turns another time. But I know pretty well how that game works. And I know a decent amount of things, like, where the, you know, culture surrounding it is concerned. Mm -hmm. And it's because I'm always surrounded by people who love it. And I definitely think that's the way to, because otherwise it's totally alienating. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, took the Tolkien class, was surrounded by lots of fan people, and I know why that teacher got into that, 
because uh, she um because she was I can't I, I remember that she studied like Russian literature or something uh, okay. in college and you know she both teachers are in like their sixties and seventies now really yeah these these are or like fifties or sixties but very, but still but, like middle aged yeah, yeah no they've at got least. They, their their hair is white and they're okay. very they're very this is going to sound really mean their hair is white and they're very wrinkly okay <laughs> but they're not like they're not people who necessarily went through it as like a young person that oh, that no. thing was geared towards oh no maybe the, the, uh maybe the Tolkien stuff yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like, the Tolkien, like they... the Tolkien stuff, maybe, but with Harry Potter, like the timing just doesn't make any sense. Okay, mm-hmm. that's kind of why I asked uh, in the first place. No, that's I was fair. just interested to see like where that person was coming yeah, from. Yeah, which I think also speaks to just sort of how Harry Potter like reaches across Absolutely. many generations. Because even with my parents, like my parents aren't that young for parents. Like they're in their fifties now, which would have meant that when I was a kid, they would have been in like their late thirties, early forties. And mm-hmm. they, I mean, my mom is a my mom is a reader who reads everything and my dad my dad is kind of he's not as much of a reader but like he has a kindle he reads a lot so they both read the harry potter books liked them a lot and then we're like katie you should read this right <laughs> right right yeah Sim- similar for my folks my dad's a very very avid reader um and my mom uh is just like not she just doesn't she's just busy my mom's mm-hmm. a busy lady um and, but she still reads a ton. Both of them do. That's, mm-hmm. like, definitely where I garnered any sense of a love for reading that I have is from mm-hmm. them. Um, and they, it was definitely a very cool thing to, like, experience as a family. There, There's a very short list of things that I think exist on that plane. And Harry Potter's at the top of it as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned. Um, what are some of your favorite, like, uh, moments? Uh, okay, so we talked about... Our, Mutual favorite book is the yeah. fourth one. Yes. Duh. It's, <laughs> it's so it's fucking good. It's the best book. And I, I feel like it gets a lot of shit. I, I think that's know. absurd. I think, I don't know. For whatever reason, like whenever people list favorite books, like it's all, it's like the third one or the sixth one, which I'm always a little shocked by because that's the one that I think is the most inconsistent in tone for me, but that might just be I me. agree with everything that you're saying. I still love the sixth book. I love yeah. it to bits, but I feel like it's very inconsistent in tone. Yeah. Then again... Um, a lot of people are like, Harry and Ginny should have never been a couple. And I re- have a vivid memory of my mother as I was a kid. I think I was reading the fourth book and I was like, I think Ron and Hermione are going to end up together. But like Harry and Hermione could be cute. My mom's like, no, Harry and Ginny have to end up together because then <laughs> Harry can be part of the Weasley family. So I went into the series just thinking, oh, of course, I Harry and Ginny are going to end up together. And then Ron and Hermione are going to end up together. And then it ended up happening. So I did not have that crazy shipping anger of it working out because i was always just like of course that's how that's gonna work my mom said that's how it's gonna work that's so funny (laughs) that's so funny Uh, but we all knew it wasn't gonna be cho chang right (laughs) cho chang cho chang got such a short stick in the books i i I am very interested in her as a character Mm -hmm. i just feel like she was not expanded upon enough and Sort of going back to my comment before of books being filled with white people, I kind of wish that we could have gotten a more more fleshed out version of that character and a more fleshed out version of her background as opposed to just the typical Asian trope of Asian falls in love with white boy and white boy and that is her entire character and there is nothing else. And then another white boy falls in love with that Asian and then that's that's what her character becomes. Yeah, and then I'm just like, there are so many interesting things that could have been done here and it wasn't. And I'm just like, goddamn, Jackie Rowling. I know. 
you are our queen, but God damn it. <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. Uh, so I, I, I definitely think there's an element of that. Like you kind of start thinking about it more as a like international story. In the yes. One thing that I have always wanted to see, and this is why I want JK Rowling to give out uh, sort of, not the rights necessarily, because I understand that the characters were hers, but mm-hmm. at least to, like, do something similar to Star Trek where you license out the universe as opposed yeah. to the specific characters. Mm-hmm. So then we could see, what are magic schools like in Africa? What are magic schools like in the United States? How sure. do they differ? What was going on in what was going on in Germany when Voldemort was rising to power? Yeah. Like, I want to know how magic works in the other parts of the world and what that means. Sure. I am so interested in that. Yeah. And I would love to see just sort of like, it's sim- a- similar to what I said before, similar to what happened in Star Trek. I want to know what goes on in this Harry Potter universe outside of what happens at Hogwarts. As much as I am interested in that, that story has been told. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also a very classic case of like, Oh, J.K. Rowling's from the U.K. She's going to write about a bunch of characters that are from the U.K. Which is fair. If I I were to ever write a book, they would all live in St. Paul, Minnesota. That is how that would work. All of my character, all of the characters I ever write are Mary Sue's of me. And I understand Uh, that. But I would still love to see, like, it get licensed out. um, Explain the the term you just used. Because I'm familiar with it, but uh, only relatively recently. Mary Sue is a term used commonly in fan fiction, but it is also used elsewhere more commonly um where it's a self-insert fanfic a self-insert fanfic character that is very much the author's fantasy that has no character development doesn't do anything is fantastic at everything and all of the characters love this character for no other reason than the fact that this is the character based off of the author Uh, the origin of this because this is of course the sort of thing i would look up is uh, back, I think, in the late 60s, early 70s. I don't remember the exact year. Uh-huh. But there was a Star Trek magazine that would publish uh, fan fiction. And there was a character named Mary Sue who was based off of the author where basically the Mary Sue was the newest, youngest uh, ensign on the ship of the uh-huh. Enterprise. And everybody loved her well, for no other like reason than the fact Mary that she Sue's was an author. Mary Sue yeah, yeah, yeah. Did a- and now there is a <laughs> feminist website that I follow kind of religiously named after called the Mary Sue. Right. That I adore. Right. <laughs> See, I was familiar with the site, the Mary Sue, before I yep. I knew what it was referencing. Yeah. Another Star Trek reference to that is that sometimes a male version of a Mary Sue will be called a Gary Stew. And most people Gary Stew. And most people refer to Wesley in Star Trek The Next Generation as a Gary Stew because he is for lack of a better term, a self-insert of Gene Roddenberry to the point where I think Gene Roddenberry's middle name was Wesley. Uh, uh, nerds listening to this will probably fact-check me and then, you know, <laughs> message me about how incorrect I am because that is how nerds work. Uh, but I think I read that once upon a time. That's really funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> I knew the... I knew the... Um, yeah. I've, I've, the Mary Sue stuff. I, I have not read a whole ton of Harry Potter fan fiction, but I have written some... Okay, have that's been, interesting. I would have yeah. I would have thought that that would also kind of be part of your fandom. Well, Just yeah, I no, know. I've I not that I don't do creative things because I've written a couple Harry Potter songs and one Harry Potter song parody that I brought with me and may sing later, yes. depending on how we feel about yes. that. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, yes, um, is how we feel. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna save that for later because I would like to finish the point I'm trying to make. Um, Please, but Harry Potter. 
uh, along with the books and the films, I also sort of watched a shit ton of Harry Potter Puppet Pals. I yes. watched a lot of A Very Potter Musical and all of the Star Kid productions, which... When I worked at the Adler Planetarium, I did not realize that uh, Brian and Nick is one of the two Lang brothers, and I'm sure that um, it's really bad that I'm getting them mixed up, but I think it's Nick. Uh, but that they both worked as show operators at the planetarium. Right. So Brian walks past me one day, and I've been at a couple Star Kid shows, and I was that crazy obsessed fan who was like, "Can I have your autograph? Can I have your autograph?" Oh, like Can when you saw, him? like when I saw them in college, oh. and then I saw Brian walk by, and he stared at me, and I think we both, I recognized who he was immediately because I was like, "You're Lupin," and I've seen you in your underwear. But uh. He looked at me, <laughs> and I think he was really confused because he was like, "I recognize you, but I don't know where." Uh. And and this is very confusing and befuddling. Right. So then he went in, and then to myself, I'm just like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Later, we introduced ourselves. And I was That's just like, good. yes, you know me from a Star Kid thing. I'm one of... Uh, I, I am. A, you have a picture of me in my Hufflepuff costume at C two E two when you did something with the Nerdalogs. That so, is so funny. <laughs> and every time I saw Nick and Brian, um, I was I would tried to be very nice, but a part of me was just like fangirling Too on the fangirl. inside. And I'm just like, hi, you do fandom musicals, and I would love to be involved, but I also know that I am that crazy stalker girl who followed you around that one night. So I'm just going to open this door for you. And <laughs> that's so funny. It was yeah. That's that was, such a like weird thing because I. I know i know brian and um meredith pretty well and like or at least like you know we asked them that was when i first met brian i think is when he was involved in that show yeah or maybe no when i literally first met him was for another thing that we were both involved in um but i like didn't it took yeah i didn't realize that it was so popular that they had such a following yeah and and part of me was just kind of like i don't know that's like one of the things that helped darren chris yeah like rise exactly popularity and i sort of and i sort of got or at least i thought i could very well be wrong in this but even though it was their day job to do the show operator stuff at the planetarium a part of my mind was just like okay this is where they come to not be bothered by crazy star kid fans katie so just like give them their space don't talk to them a whole lot i mean i know you really want to be involved with star kid one day and that's been like your dream since high school but like let's breathe and let's realize that they're actual people and i would literally this is gonna they're gonna listen to this and be like god this chick is fucking insane (laughs) but it's just gonna it was just one of those things of like just give them their space don't don't be weird don't be weird don't be weird that's a good that's a good thing to be like a mantra though because like you have to i mean that is like the i think the most dangerous part about the internet is that you it is so easy to forget that the every person on the internet is a person in real life like and they have and it's so funny it is crazy and i'm sure some of them um would think that that's like a crazy thing that you that to you it was like they just hide out because they're famous and like they have yeah, to no i'm just like i'm just like because like, they're I, just people cause they're just is, trying to get by the same way we all are this, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but this it's is okay. like the hufflepuff part of me where i'm just like god i i know that they get haunted by these crazy fangirls because i was one of them at one of the shows that they were at so right. i just need to like give them their space right. and just be me and just not harry potter vomit Right. Or vomit all over the place. Right. 
a third of that Harry Potter word vomit would probably be like broken Latin, but that's okay. That's so funny. Yeah, so, yeah. it's just it's so funny because like they they you know perform and make their way to Chicago uh, the way that a lot of other people that I know who perform and work their way in Chicago. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But they happen to have this incredibly successful yeah. uh, you know productions company. Mm-hmm um through all that mm-hmm. with this huge following and so it's very strange yeah, it puts it all in perspective for sure and i think part of that is because uh if correct me if i'm wrong and i'm sure that if they're listening to this they're gonna be like god damn it this chick has it all wrong uh, but i'm pretty sure a very potter musical was the first one they had ever posted on the internet i think um, yes i i i absolutely think that and that's I think, true and i think been, it may also have been one of their first productions if not yeah first i think production. that was back when they were still in michigan and it's really it certainly was kind of sad that i know that but anyway um but uh i think that has to do with the fact that harry potter sort of became big right when the internet was becoming big yes. and was so- beginning to form into what it is today like i was talking with another so so true i was talking with another friend of mine a while ago who's 10 years older than me um cuz i also larp and all of the people <laughs> in yeah. the larp yeah i larp i love yeah. larping so much um but all of the people in the larp are at least 5 years my senior uh-huh. so well not all of them but a good chunk of them are that so happens. it's uh, I have a friend who's about 10 years older than me uh, who mentioned that Harry Potter was the first fandom that they had seen sort of they were able to see the creative side of the fandom because it became big right when the internet was becoming big. So finally there was this outlet where like people could post their fan art, people could post their fan fiction. Wizard rock is a thing because I think there was just finally a place for people to put that out there. Harry Harry and the Potters is straight up fun I, I i like harry and the potters but they're not my favorite wizard rock group okay um i don't think i'm familiar with too okay. many of the other ones uh, the, they're draco and the malfoys I, I, not so much uh i like the butterbeer experience which okay. is one girl uh and i have all of her stuff off of Bandcamp because that was the cheapest place to get it um and the rest of these are in my wish list but i'm going to get them eventually uh i really like the moaning myrtles uh, uh, yes i've heard of yeah. the moaning myrtles, moaning myrtles. Uh, i've never heard of uh the butterbeer experience never heard of uh tonks and the Aurors, uh is also fantastic <laughs> and she recently did uh her tour uh i did not see it uh but her tour was called yes all witches yeah <laughs> it was, it was I, I saw that and i was just like i love you even more now um where did she tour just like small venues just, uh, or small bookstores? venues all around the united states i know that um she was at Loyola college a couple years ago cool. um for like an event that they were doing i didn't end up going because uh i didn't tell my boyfriend about it until the last minute he was like oh i hoping we would go on a date and i had abandoned him a bunch of other times and i was just like okay we'll go on a date and we'll go see captain america and the winter soldier which was a much better option because that was such a great movie <laughs> yeah that was my first date with my current booth oh so cute gotta set off on the right foot yep. i guess uh oliver boyd and the remember alls is another group that i really like um the Bla- Oliver uh, Oliver Boyd, which uh, is his actual name, and uh, then the Rememberals. Oh, weird. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, okay. and then uh, the other group that I really like uh, that I've recently discovered is uh, the Whomping Willows. Okay. Um, and and all of these songs by all of these groups are Harry Potter. Are Harry inspired? Potter based? Yes. That is crazy. Um, and there's one other there's one other group that I really like, and I'm spacing on their name. Um, oh, the Blacks. Uh, no, the Parcel Mouths. They have a song called the Black Sisters, which is why I continue. No, the House of Black, which is why I continually get them confused. But they're called gotcha. the Parcel Mouths. Gotcha. gotcha. And then there have been a couple other compilation albums that I will also get my hands on eventually, uh, where it's uh, 
uh, Witch Rock, which is a compilation album that was done to raise money for the Susan G. Komen Foundation before cool. their whole controversy with Planned Parenthood yes. went down. And then uh, <laughs> before they became a shittier company. Yeah, basically. <laughs> or um, a shittier foundation. And, and then uh, there was the Wizards for Social Justice, which were three compilation albums done in collaboration with a. Uh, uh, DFTBA, uh, John Green and Hank Green's cool. uh, thing, and yes. also the Harry Potter Alliance. Very, very cool. So I will get my hands on all of those eventually. I, that's so funny because I knew Wizard Rock was like a genre all mm-hmm. on its own, but you just rattled off like 10 yeah. different bands. There's also way more than the ones I just listed And all off. of those people all write yeah. Harry Potter-based songs. All write songs. Harry Potter-based songs. Uh, there's also uh, Molly Lewis, uh, who I adore, who's right up there with the double clicks and recently... Yeah released her thanksgiving special and it is one of the best things i had ever listened to awesome um, it's so I'm, good i'm familiar with she's got she's got one she references harry potter in her songs uh she has one song called albus severus and how bad of a name that is which yeah. i could not agree more <laughs> they should have had another daughter and they should have named her molly minerva that is what they should have done uh, <laughs> i have lots of feelings about this albus severus oh yeah. man terrible name yeah Ar- arthur remus should have been the name of that kid uh anyway love it and um also can we talk about how in the movies they when they try to like age them by 30 years or whatever it is they look like dog shit like i agree but i was also but hermione looks terrible yes but i'm also going to the film's credit i think that they handled the epilogue better than the book did yeah and part of that may be because i was a camp counselor at a theater camp in saint paul minnesota and uh two of the camps I worked on were Harry Potter themed because the nice. way that they, the way that they had it set up was that the camps were one to two weeks long mm-hmm. and the themes would be about things in pop culture to get the kids interested. Sure. So there was a Lego Star Wars camp at one point. They've had an Avatar The Last Airbender camp um, and a Harry Potter camp is sort of one of the staples. Mm-hmm. Um, so the kids would come to the camp that is the theme uh, but then they would create their own story relating to the theme and then at the end of camp they would perform it. Cool. Uh, so one of the music teachers was also a giant Harry Potter fan and pointed out to me that the music used in the epilogue of the final film is the same music used at the end of Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets to relay that same nostalgic feeling. So now every time I see that scene and hear that music, I'm just like, oh my god. Uh, Oh my god, they knew what they were doing and I'm gonna cry. That's great. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, yes, they handled it well, but they just look it's like Hermione just got mom hair, like yeah. crazy mom hair. <sighs> that was one of those things that didn't bother me as much. And maybe it's maybe it's because I'm just like you're I, probably in the right. I'm I, being I, picky. No, it's fine. Go ahead and be picky. People have every right to be picky about those sort of things. And th- there are so many things that have been put to film that I should be annoyed that they're different. But I'm just like I'm not, especially since more often than not, especially in the case of Rent and Scott Pilgrim, I saw the film first, Same. and that's what got me to read the original product. Yes. So, I mean, even as bad as the films are, as long as people enjoy I feel like it makes that product more accessible to the public and therefore brings more people to the original product. I and that is something that should be considered as well. I absolutely... I totally agree. I think those are both really good <laughs> examples of that, too, because I absolutely witnessed uh, Rent and Scott Pilgrim for the first time via those movies. And I really like both of those movies. I really movies. like those movies. I think Scott Pilgrim is, and I went back and read all seven books as a result. And yep, I same. think it's one, of, like, I wish they had made it into at least, like, two movies. I agree. Um, at least because there's there are a lot of like subtleties lost. Yeah. I really wish we could see more of Kim's character. I agree. I, I love Alison Pill, and I would have loved to see that. Exactly. And part of that I think is also um, I believe the film came out before the final Scott Pilgrim book came out, which That's is why right. the, which is why the ending differs. Is 
That's Weird. that's another case with the Scott Pilgrim video game as well, because the Scott Pilgrim video game, available on the Xbox 360 and PS3 store, if you're interested, Hell yeah. uh, came out before the final book had come out. So when you play as a different character, because you can play as four different characters in the initial game, and then there's two DLC you can download. So you initially start out with just Scott, Ramona, Kim, and... Um, Oh God! What's his name? Uh, the a gig is a gig is a gig is a gig name. Uh, He's the leader of the band. Uh, uh, Stephen Stills. Stephen. Stephen Stills. You get those four initial characters, and then you can download DLC that let you play as Knives and as Wallace. Nice. Um, and then eventually, after you beat the game, after the four initial characters you get, you unlock Negascott as a character that nice. you can play. But, Which makes sense. But as you play with game. each of the characters, each character has their own separate ending. Cool. So Ramona is the only character where the ending matches the book. Gotcha. All the other ones are different. Um, yeah. But I think that's a, that's a really good example of like something that, I mean, that certainly got me into... It, it was well-made enough and stood on its own enough that I didn't need to know anything going into it. Mm-hmm. But going back and reading the books really, like, uh, filled in a lot yeah. of stuff. And I, I have a friend who's very much a Scott Pilgrim purist. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, the film missed out on so much of these Ugh. things. And I'm very – and I get it. I get how she Ugh. feels about it. That makes sense. Yeah. But I also just have to bring – and she understands that she's sort of very puritanical about it a little bit. But I also have to point out of being like, hey – the reason you can talk to me about Scott Pilgrim is kind because of, that movie is because exists. of that movie. Exists. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. thing that yeah. I mean, I I have friends who um, <coughs> Joe Gennaro, um, <laughs> per, like don't like the X Men films, especially the recent ones, because they don't represent anything yeah. that has really happened in the comic books. And then I have you know uh, my like I have plenty of other friends who are like. But why do you want to see the same thing just reflected back to you? Like, you've already read that thing. Yeah. Like, isn't it cool that you get to see, like, other storylines and, like, different ways that this thing could have played out? Yeah. That's I, kind of something that comic books, like, revel in is creating alternate timelines and, and, and changing things up. You I know? agree with that. I also have not read a bunch of the X-Men comic books. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the 90s cartoon series because my boyfriend's really into the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he enjoys the films because he hasn't read the comics in a while. Right. I just wish that the films weren't all about Wolverine. Like, yes, exactly. Uh, like Dave, I mean, that's one of his biggest complaints, yeah. too, for sure. And, like, mostly just because I love Hugh Jackman. I love seeing Hugh Jackman shirtless. I don't need to see Hugh Jackman shirtless in every single film he ever does. Yeah. And I'm saying this is someone who is ridiculously attracted to him. <laughs> um, but also just the fact that, like, um, in Days of Future Past, Kitty Pride is the person who goes back. And Kitty... Mm-hmm. Even though X, th- I have not seen X three: The Last Stand, I have heard that it is a bad film. It sucks. But Kitty Pride is an established character in the X Men universe because they gave her a part in that film. Mm-hmm. I get the whole point of Days of Future Past was to erase X three, but Kitty Pride is a character that exists. Yeah. You could have used her. I also just have a giant lady boner for Ellen Page, so oh, I think I'm just who ki- don't. I think I'm just kind of upset that Ellen Page was not the lead of that film yeah. because Ellen Page needs to be in everything. I don't think that you're <laughs> alone in that frustration because I've definitely heard that talked about a lot where the films are concerned yeah. and like where fandom of them is concerned. But also, it's like maybe things can just exist in different ways and, in different mediums. And, and I understand that. I'm just kind of but. I also think it's kind of bullshit that Wolverine gets, Yeah, like, especially since the X-Men, and, again, not super well-versed in X-Men lore, so... Me neither. Chill neither out. one of us are. But the X-Men are all about an ensemble, and yeah. how 
all parts of their differences work together and that friendship is magic even though they fight a lot and that's sure. okay because they'll save the world yeah um and friends fight a lot and friends fight a lot and that's okay yeah but it just kind of becomes wolverine and the wolverine ets yeah very very true um do you think that there's anything that the movies really got wrong that while we're while we're on the subject um I don't think there's anything that they really got wrong, and actually some of the changes in the earlier films I was okay with for the better. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as I was sad, um, like, in the fourth film, they had Neville give Harry the gillyweed so as opposed to having Dobby yeah. give Harry the gillyweed. Because that came to mind and for me, too. I thought that was a fantastic choice. Okay. Because not only does that establish that Neville is an important character later on and start mm-hmm. bringing him more, but... In the in the films, at least, Dobby kind of disappears after the second film, yeah. which makes no sense later in the later films when he recently reappears, and then they milk that death scene yes. to crazy. Like, I had feelings, but that death scene was way too long. Yes. Um, but I, so, but for, yeah. a, for... We same page in. Yeah. <laughs> for, a, for a film audience, it does two things. It takes care of that plot point without having to introduce something in the books. Mm-hmm. And because Neville's going to be import- an important character later, that integrates him a little more into the into becoming part of the Silver Trio, which is what he, Ginny, and Luna are generally referred to in the fandom. Very cool. The Silver Trio. Because <laughs> you've got the Golden Trio with Ron, Harry, and Hermione. Oh, and then the Silver that. Trio is Neville, Ginny, and Luna. I love that. Yeah, because they do definitely become their, like, that's their their other right hand man. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 something that sort of hints at Neville's uh, thing later on. And another thing that I love about the fourth film that isn't really established in the books, but I was this was back when I stalked MuggleNet ridiculously because I did that a lot. Um, was someone who had MuggleNet re- was basically like pre Pottermore, right? Yes, MuggleNet. Um, and actually, uh, I read a bunch of the hate mail pages, and apparently the owner of MuggleNet at the time also worked a lot with J.K. Rowling, so he got a lot of information um, based off of that. But one of the contributors on MuggleNet um, talked about how in the book it isn't really clear that Mad-Eye Moody is really Barty Crouch Jr. Spoilers, by the way. Um, But in the film... I just realized, like, we had done a pretty good job of not truly spoiling anything. But, like, even if we did, like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's true. It Um, was something that came to mind where I was like, wow, we've kind of skirted around a, like, pretty hot Harry Potter topic of spoilers. But continue. But But, like, he had mentioned that in the book, it's not really that clear. Uh, but if you go into the film, especially knowing what Barty Crouch Jr.'s role in what happened to Frank and Alice Longbottom, seeing, having him pull Neville up to his desk, doing the Cruciatus curse on that creature, and then having Neville see that creature be tortured in the same way that his parents were when he was a kid is fucking traumatizing. I didn't, yeah. That's... One of the person who saw that fuck. scene was like... That was the moment when I was like, oh, fuck, this is actually not bad at Moody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they also, like, I mean, in it's easier on film for there to be things like, you know, David Tennant did that weird, like, tongue yeah. flashy thing. Which I got, I, I did not get that initially, but then I got that it was sort of like frog or snake right. or whatever, you know. Darth, the dead, the dark mark, Death Eater. Yes. I almost said Darth Mark, and that's like a completely different thing. Yeah. That's getting into Star Wars territory, and we're not heading there today. Not, not today. Um, but, um, 
But he does that, and then the Mad-Eye Moody does that. Right. So after, on repeated viewings, I was just like, oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. They, they draw <laughs> a very clear connection. Yeah. But it's one that, like you said, you wouldn't necessarily pick up on a first watch, but it's a very distinctive, mm-hmm. you know, character trait. You can't really do that yeah. on the page, you know, because it becomes too like even you know they don't like they don't show flashbacks in a book in the books like to you know Barty Crouch at trial no. and things like that. I mean, you they, know what I mean? I mean they did, but it was to it was exposition, right? Right. But like it's it's you know if you don't like if you write on a page like. Barty Crouch's Barty Crouch Jr.'s tongue tarted, yeah. darted in, no, in and out of his mouth, and then like later on, it's like Mad Eye, yeah. you know, that's something that you just can't do in the same way. And then you there's can't. The, and then there's that small detail later where um, Barty Crouch Sr. and Harry are walking on the are walking near the lake, and uh, Barty, I can't remember what the line is. I should because that's my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he says something about how. Uh, to lose one's family is the greatest tragedy one's ever known because he mm. sent his son to jail. But still, life goes on, and here we stand. And he's about to say something else, but then Mad Eye Moody gets his attention, and then he says, uh, 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 "Barty Crouch, you're not offering Potter a job to the Department of Mysteries, are you? The uh. last boy who went in there never came out." And then he does the tongue thing, and you see Barty Crouch Jr. just be like, "You're doing the he, thing that my yeah. son did." Yeah. And you can see the look of shock on his face, and he's right. not sure how to react to it. Right, 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 right. That is, like, what a good, like, wool-over-your-eyes moment yeah. in the books, though. It's just like, oh, shit, what? Yeah, the <laughs> other thing is that you see him drinking from a gullet the whole time, and at right. no point does it mention in the book that he's a drunkard, but that's a good, but later they reveal that he's marker. been drinking polyjuice yes. potion. Yes. So it's just kind of like, oh, he's been drinking polyjuice potion this whole time. It's a thing that you always associate with his character. Right. Yeah. Right. It's good. It's good. Yeah. She's good. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. <laughs> so, yeah. She's good. But yeah, back, back to being in the fandom. And this is sort of ties in with Scott Pilgrim. There's this one short film that really sort of comforted me during a dark time back in May um, called I Ship It. It's by Yulin Quang. Uh, I think that's how she pronounces her name, uh, who is an independent director in L.A. For those of you familiar with a very Potter musical, Joey Richter's in it. The idea is that this girl played by Mary-Kate Wiles of, um, oh, God, it's that, uh, what is it called? It's that Pride and Prejudice redone modern as a video diary series. Oh. Lizzie Bennet. Uh, uh, the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. So Mary-Kate Wiles, uh, uh, she's broken up by her boyfriend, played by Joey Richter, uh, and she gets back at him by jo- by competing against him in a wizard rock competition, and the film is shot <laughs> in the style of Scott Pilgrim. Cool. <laughs> very cool. So it's a short film? It's said? a short film. It's like 20 minutes long, but it's very, it's cool. very fun, and... I really, I really like that film. I have the soundtrack. I've spent a dollar on it on Bandcamp, and I listen to it all the time. Sounds like a dollar well spent. <laughs> it's so great. That's very cool. <laughs> it's so funny. I think that's really telling about like certain aspects of uh, of culture and and literature and film that when so many people want to create something else around that like world mm-hmm. i think it's very telling about the thing yeah. as it exists yeah another thing that i was thinking about because we brought up x-men and there are two things that i thought of there was the headcanon that i thought of that is um 
X-Men is similar to Harry Potter in some ways because they're mutants who were exiled from society for sure. being different. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh. And they all get to go we, to a school yeah, full of other people What if like mutants that? were the American version of witches and wizards? And then the other one was... Oh. Um, yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah. And then the other one is uh, back to uh, an MBSing episode. I think you talked about X-Men with Sean Kelly. Correct. Um, and you had made the analogy that Magneto and... Uh, uh, the, the, the Professor Xavier uh, were like Gandalf and Dumbledore, and then Sean Kelly was like, "No, no, they're more like Dumbledore and Grindelwald." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, "Oh shit, they and are." I was like, "I get this. <laughs> I get this reference. This was for me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean, I know is a big Harry Potter person too. Yeah. No, he, I, I think at one of the Nerdalogs parties, he was talking about Harry Potter world, and yeah. then I think I literally inched myself into the conversation and was like, "So I heard you were talking about Harry." Harry Potter. Yeah. I know things about Harry Potter. Let's That's talk about Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> he and his wife, I know when they went, um, he posted a picture of his wife right after they had walked into Diagon Alley. It just, tears were just pouring oh, down her cheeks. And she was like, I knew it was going to be a lot, but I didn't know it was going to be this yeah, much. No. My <laughs> youngest sister can verify. We were in line at Hogwarts before the Diagon Alley expansion was up to go on the Hogwarts ride. And I'm texting my boyfriend. I'm just like, Hannah, Hannah, I'm going into Hogwarts. I'm going into Hogwarts and it's great and I'm crying and it's great. I'm going into Hogwarts. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, if they're really think, yeah. Like- it really, it was, it's the bet. <laughs> The Universal Islands of Adventure vary, mm-hmm. but they definitely put a lot of time and effort into the Harry Potter sections to make it look legitimate. And Seems you can like tell, they and knew can, they had to. Yeah. I've they, seen the pictures of Gringotts with oh the God. dragon coming over it's it. So it looks cool. incredible. Oh, it's so cool. It looks real incredible. How's Butterbeer? It's good. It's a, I, I can't have it more than once because despite the fact that I very much have a sweet tooth, there's also like a sweet limit too for sweet. me. And yeah, then by the same. time I have like half a butter beer, I'm just like, I can't drink anymore. This was too sweet. It's great, but it's too, it's too much. Have you ever like made your own or anything like that? No, I have not. I have not had a chance to explore that element of Harry Potter fandom, mostly just because I can't cook for shit. That's really <laughs> all right, man. But that is like just, uh, you know, I feel like I always think of whenever they would spend a decent amount of time describing, especially like in the earlier books, oh my describing God. like food at yeah. the feast. No, my, uh, my cousin, who's about nine years old, uh, every July, uh, there's a cabin that my family rents out in northern Minnesota in Brainerd. So every July, my family goes up and then they live in Virginia. They're on the East Coast. And then they come and visit. And every year, we just sort of hang out on the beach in northern Minnesota. And my cousin has recently gotten into harry potter she was reading the first book when we were up there so my aunt was like katie can you do story time and read harry potter and i was just like yes there is nothing i would like more there is nothing i would like more than this so i got to read the sorting hat scene and the quidditch scene which are and a couple other scenes but the sorting hat scene and the quidditch scene in particular are my favorite scenes in that book yeah and um they both set up a lot for the rest of the series oh i remember being really bummed in the fifth phone when there weren't any quidditch scenes and then them forcing and then them forcing the Ron Weasley captain thing into the sixth film, which I'm glad they acknowledged it, but it felt out of place in the sixth film. Like the I one, agree. the one thing that I really think that they should have done. Not that I disagree with them splitting the seventh book into two parts, but I think the f- book that really should have gotten two parts is the fifth book, because the fifth book in particular sets up so many things. And the later films had to either add those things in later or completely cut out those subplots, thus making it seem a bit more unbalanced. 
so that's the there are many things that I love that they did but that's the really big mistake like if I were in charge of the Harry Potter films that is the one thing that I would have rectified I would have made the fifth book two parts so they could have set up more things I definitely agree with that I think it was definitely the movie that when I left I was like man they left out so much stuff yeah and I get it they wanted to focus on the ministry taking over Hogwarts and Mm -hmm. I Applaud them for doing that. That was really well yeah, done. Yeah, and like Umbridge as a character oh was God. fucking nailed. It's even it's even better because I had seen uh, that. I actress. just got chills. I, I had, fucking hate her so much. But I had seen that actress earlier, Amelda Staunton, in Nanny McPhee. She plays the cook. Right. Uh, so I was just like, oh my God, you are not the crazy wacky cook I saw in Nanny McPhee, and I am not That's, sure how I feel about this. Yeah, she was so good, was and they fucking great. nailed it so hard. That bit when Trelawney cries and says, no, Hogwarts is my home. Don't throw me uh, out. I was just like, God, God damn it. It's heartbreaking. Uh, and like, what a true just villain you know yeah. watching all the scenes no, of they harry did, like writing no, all the they did lines. all that right i just Ugh. wish there's just so many things that get set up in the fifth book that i would just add another film so that they can do all of that just so that they're and not forcing all of that in the later films thus taking away from the stories those have to tell it's already such an arresting ending like even when you read it as a book you're mm-hmm. just like oh oh god what just happened you yeah. know what i mean like it's just like Oh, oh, fuck. Like, it, like more so than I think the ends of, of a lot of the other things or, like, a lot of other moments is a very, like, rug out from under you moment. Yeah. And I think because the film, like, left out a lot of stuff along the way, it feels even more arresting. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, like, you're I'm just like, that. Jesus, what? Yeah. What just... Are we serious yeah. right now? <laughs> yeah, the, the other these are getting incredibly nitpicky, Um, but I wish that... That's okay. I asked I, the question. It makes sense... No, just sort of things that i wish the films could have done differently um i, I think it also it also like it's a, a way to like discuss the books yeah in in a like applicable you yeah. know what it, it's a way to kind of dissect the story that yeah. happens in the books mm-hmm. so go ahead yeah no, i understand that this character was not established in the films therefore it doesn't make any sense to just randomly introduce them but God damn it! I wish that Cho Chang was. I understand that she was under Veritas Serum in the films, but I hate that she was the person who ended up, you know, giving away Dumbledore's army. Right. Just because that character does not get enough development anyway, and I kind of feel like that they, they threw just, like that, threw that poor character. Cho Chang got thrown under the bus, I and I'm just really pissed off about that. Yeah. Other nitpicky things. I'm a little annoyed that at a certain point they kind of just forgot about years because Katie Bell is a student in the seventh year. Really? And I'm like, no, no, she's not because she is a year older than Harry, and she should have graduated. That's so funny. Um, why is Cho Chang still here? Because Cho Chang should have graduated as well. All right. Um, the other thing, and this is a deleted scene. But I was so mad when Crumb was not at Fleur and Bill's wedding. Yeah. There is a deleted scene where he is there and he's dancing with Hermione and Ron is, Ron is being all jealousy grumble pants like in the distance. But I stu- I'm just like, no, that was the one thing I wanted out of this movie Aww. because the fourth book is my favorite. Yeah. And he is the one who gives that exposition about Grindelwald because right. Grindelwald was his Voldemort. Right. And like, I, just wanted, yes. I just wanted to see him. I don't care if it was just a background shot. I just wanted him to acknowledge that it was there because you don't just go through the Triwizard Tournament and then just, like, not come Leave back. Leave those people's and lives. And the fact yeah. that he wasn't there just made me so sad. But I could totally see And that. I get that it was a deleted scene, but god damn it. Especially since... Leave the scene in. <laughs> especially since there was a ton of bonus features of... 
Goblet of Fire that I watched all the time, where um, Robert Pattinson talked about how it was his first film and he didn't really connect with anybody because everyone else already had really established sure. friendships. So he became really close to the actor who played Crumb because it was both their first film. That's really funny. And then there's this behind-the-scene shot where you see him literally jump hug with Crumb and they're Aww. both giggling and they have their arms around each other. And I'm just like, this is the cutest thing. That's really sweet. This yeah. is actually the sweetest thing. I, that would be really hard, though, to like jump in, especially as another young person yeah. that has such a major role in the film. Mm. I wonder if someone like uh, the actress who played Luna Lovegood yeah. uh, like went through stuff like that, too. Yeah, I, I didn't see a whole lot of the bonus features for the later films because my family sort of stopped buying the DVDs yeah. after book four. It also became a little less, like, necessary to see yeah. things at that point. But um, I remember just watching that and just being like, oh, my God, you guys are so cute. That's adorable. You are so cute. And then who knew Robert Pattinson was going to become the, like, mega star that yeah. he did <laughs> my favorite story about that it is it is no secret that edward pattinson does not like twilight uh, so he was he was walking through i can't remember where it was but he was surrounded by all of these twilight fans and they were all like edward 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 and he's just ignoring them going about his business then someone comes up and yells yells cedric and has a copy of goblet of fire uh, and that girl was the only person who left with an autograph that's that day. awesome <laughs> that's awesome i mean i can imagine Imagine that the fan bases even would be very different. Oh yeah, just like because yeah. I mean, I I can't say for sure because part because I know I mean at least the most vocal parts of both probably crossover. Yeah, yeah, so, that's fair. I'm so bad at words right now. Um, that's okay. But most we've been going for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but like Twilight, Twilight has a very big female fan base. Harry Potter does too, but I think it's, it's less it's less acceptable for dudes to like Twilight than it is for dudes to like Harry Potter. Very true. Um so I think that's where the main difference sort and of I falls. I think that a lot of the like draw of Twilight is the like will there won't they yeah. weird weird loves granted I have not read a twilight book yeah. nor have i seen a twilight movie. I, I have in my feelings i have seen the first twilight film i've read all the twilight books my feelings on it are very mixed yeah um because it's not it is a will they or won't they story yeah on the other hand that's like less there's some interesting world building going on with yeah. like the war between the werewolves and the vampires and the uh -huh. treaty that they wrote like 50 something years ago to sort of keep the peace like yeah. that's super interesting every once in a while i find out that a really good actor that i love was in one of those movies and it's just like Really? Yeah. I thought it was all like, you know, yep, Ed, Edward and Jacob and Bella. Yep. But like, there's a bunch of other shit going on. Like, Anna Kendrick was in those oh, movies. Yeah. She, she Michael plays, Sheen. She plays Bella's best friend. Um, <laughs> the fact that the story is told from Bella's point of view, so you're getting all of her thoughts and how she's processing sure. things. Which is, despite it being, you know, a love story, it's very valuable that you're seeing it from the point of view of a teenage girl and how sure. she feels about it. Sure. Um, and then also the fact that they actually cast Native American actors as the werewolves. Hey, good job. Yeah. Yeah. If Twilight's doing something better than you, there's something wrong here. You ain't wrong. <laughs> you went wrong. I'm looking at you, Pan. Looking at you. Mm. Um. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, cool. Okay. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Are, is there anything that 
if we didn't touch on that we haven't already, yeah. you would feel remiss. Well, I mentioned earlier that I had the Harry Potter Yes. Movie. We are going to get into that. Yes. But there was a brief period where I was submitting things to Harry Potter things. Okay. Uh, so uh, Potter Fan was the site that I was submitting things to. I would submit things to MuggleNet, but they never got posted. So I kind Bushly. of so I kind of got burned on MuggleNet a little bit because you're not recognizing me in the work that I do. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I sent stuff to Potter Fan. Uh, there was a uh, 10 ways to be Harry Potter list. So I sent a 10 ways to be Hermione. I could not find the email for it. And when I searched Potter fan, it was a completely different site. Like it had oh, been bought out by somebody else. Weird. So I'm sure it exists somewhere. It's just on a deep recess of the internet that I can't find. Okay. So nerds, if you can find it, I will love you forever and also <laughs> probably be super embarrassed. So if you want to see me blush and giggle like crazy, that is your quest. There you go. Um, but I did pull up uh, two other emails that I had sent in. Uh, so the first one... <laughs> Uh, was, dear Potter fan, I have acquitted, and I'm going to say the typos here because there are some very definite typos. Okay. Dear Potter fan, I have a Quidditch team that was not mentioned in the Quidditch Throot He Ages book. Uh, The Lunar Loons from Minnesota. They are called that because Loon is the state bird and it is the only Quidditch team in the States that allows werewolves on the team. (laughs) Response I got. Thanks for, hi, thanks for submitting that. Did you make up that team or was it found in the books? My response back. I made it up. (laughs) That did not get posted on the site. (laughs) Second thing, they allowed you to submit spells. And this was when I was taking, like, Spanish 101. Dear Potter fan, here is the spell. Peroscatios. It makes dog poop appear in thin air. Response. Thank you for submitting that spell slash charm. We will try to get it online ASAP. And that did get put online. Really? I went later and checked it, and that was on there. That's hilarious. Uh, my internet name that I went by was Katie Bell, because that was an established nice. character in the book. So I was like, my name is in these books, so I am going to call myself that. That's um, so funny. The other one that I submitted uh, was a question that I never, ever got a response for. It was, uh, dear Potter fan, assuming this was after the sixth book, um, assuming Hogwarts will reopen and assuming McGonagall, spelled incorrectly, uh, is the new headmistress, who will teach Transfiguration and be head of Gryffindor? Because in my mind, oh, you're deputy headmistress. Obviously, it's like the vice She's presidency the where yeah. if the headmaster is eliminated, the deputy headmistress is promoted, and that's how that works. Sure. Um, hey, I mean, it panned out <laughs> in the end. That's true. That's true. Um, but, there, I, but for a while, they were bugging. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, there, and I had... I mean, I was just like, of course McGonagall's going to be the headmistress, but the book had not been released yet. So I was always just like, so assuming this were to happen because right. it did not come out yet. So I think they were just like, this is yeah, a question based on assumptions, whatever. Right, right, right. Uh, so I wrote a couple other things. Um, I wrote a song from Ron's point of view about being in love with Hermione. I don't really remember it. Okay. Um, there was another song that I wrote way later. <laughs> Yes. about Hermione being in love with Ron. And I'm just going to sing two of the lines because I don't really remember the melody. Okay. And I didn't bring the lyrics with me because I figured singing my Harry Potter parody would be much more satisfying and embarrassing for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the lyrics were, Oh, oh, Ron Weasley, I want to hold you against me. Like it was just really yes. shitty lines like that. Yes. <laughs> so... Uh, and then there was a couple other things. Like I wrote, oh, that's so silly. I wrote a fan fiction at one point um, that was very Mary Suey. Uh, uh-huh. I was a Hufflepuff. Uh, well, the character was a Hufflepuff, I should say. Oh uh, yeah, who had yes. the character? Uh, yes. Not Come me. Come on, Katie. Not me at it's all. It's not you. Her name was Kathy. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> is that she, true? Probably. I don't yeah, remember. Okay, okay. Um, but that was one of the names that I would be like, this is not me, but it is still totally me. Call her Kathy. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. But uh, the Hufflepuff uh, had a friend who was in Gryffindor, a friend who was in Slytherin, and a friend who was in Ravenclaw. Eventually ended up dating the friend in Ravenclaw. The friend in Slytherin, against their will, was forced to fight on the side of evil because their family was you know death eaters but they didn't want to but they had to and then the gryffindor was killed in battle so the end of the story ended on the hufflepuff and ravenclaw being married and working on this plan to try and break their slytherin friend out of azkaban because <laughs> she didn't want to be involved That's she cool. just ended up being involved okay. uh and then there was this weird headcanon that i came up with way way back in my tumblr days which was huh this was back when people were shipping hawkeye and black widow and brave was everywhere which is one of my favorite pick which brave is my second favorite pixar movie it was my favorite and then inside out came out yeah and now that's my favorite inside out is like <laughs> undeniably probably the best pixar movie that's ever been made yes i agree <laughs> um but uh because brave and the avengers film i think came out either right about the same time or people were still on brave yeah, hype. maybe the same summer summer i don't if know I remember correctly. but there is this running Definitely close running theory on tumblr that Merida was actually Black Widow and Hawkeye's baby. So I came up with this super, <laughs> and, they, and because of reasons, S.H.I.E.L.D. had to send her to the past. So I came up with this super contrived theory of Hawkeye and Black Widow had a baby. Shit, you can't have a baby because you're fucking superheroes. So Nick Fury is going to use S.H.I.E.L.D. science and uh, send to Scotland where this king and queen recently had a miscarriage. So they take this daughter who That's basically looks so enough funny. like them and raises them as their own. And then Merida's so 25, I'd say about 9 or 10 years, af- years after the uh, uh, Brave events happens. in Brave. And she meets this brunette who ends up being a wizard. And I was just like, so my name is Billius Weasley. And I decided that they got together, moved to London, and Merida is the reason that all the Weasleys have red hair. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. Because magic is established in that universe. Merida can see it, and she communicates with a witch. Right. And I think, I can't remember when the Statute of Secrecy was set mm. up, but it's established on Pottermore that before that came to be, wizards would commonly show their magic to muggles and that was just a thing that happened so if this was before the statute of secrecy billius weasley would have no problem with just being like yes look at I all this magic that I can i'm a wizard that's so funny so anyway to this par- harry potter parody so this was right about when i was getting really into weird al which i am still really into weird al and i have cosplayed him a couple times yes because i basically look like him yeah, yeah then, kind of the hair kind of sort of when my hair when my hair is clean it looks very much like his hair okay um but um i was like damn it weird al why have you not done a parody of a heart song and then damn it weird al why have you not done a parody about harry potter so this that is, is kind of surprising it seems up yeah. his alley so this is sorcerer's stone to the melody of hearts alone um and we'll see, i've been talking a lot so my voice may break a little bit throughout this song and for that i apologize i feel the beating of my heart my scar is burning on my head a chill goes down my spine as i approach the mirror of erased <laughs> We beat the flying keys in Devil's Snare. Fluffy and chess had left us worse for wear. The stone we faced unnamed 
ten years of old he has wanted to cast his deadly green light. Whoa, ten years of old he has waited, and now he's gonna try tonight. <laughs> My friends Hermione and Ron, they went back and I continued on. Alone. <laughs> Voldy says if I give him his desire, he'll bring back my mom and dad. <laughs> but he's a murderer and a liar. Gotta get that sorcerer stone. Gotta get that sorcerer stone. The parody that's great that's great <laughs> i wrote that one knocking down the door <laughs> I, uh, that's so funny yeah, i wrote that when i was 15 and um i realized recently that i was actually incorrect because harry was one when voldy tried to kill him i initially wrote 11 years and i was like no uh, 10 years is what is correct in the books because harry is one year old that's so funny. i made a couple edits uh but for the most part this is basically what i wrote when i was 15 that's great <laughs> i love that you were a fan of heart as much as you were a fan of harry potter when you were 15 years old like that is Honestly, one of the most yeah. I, uh, I took delightful a, parts of this. I took a, I took a lot of dance lessons. Uh, I went to Midwest Youth Dance Theater, MYDT for short, and I had taken ballet, tap dance, musical theater dance, and for one year I took hip hop. Mm -hmm. And for the lyrical piece, I think when I was 14 or 15, the teacher was a fan of heart, and we danced uh. to These Dreams. So I then got the greatest hits to heart. And, you know, researched their music videos on YouTube and fell in love with them because That's they were awesome. sisters who it's wrote music. Bad. And, oh, my God, this is important to me. Heart's so awesome. It's just, they're so great. I love Yeah, them. heart's awesome. I have, I have such a love of 80s, 80s music babes. There I you go. I have lots, of, lots was, of Joan Jett and Pat Benatar love. <laughs> it was a really good era for stuff like that. Yeah. It really was. Like, that was, uh, that was, I think, some of the, like. Yeah. And one of my dreams is to do kind of a, sort of in the way Weird Al does music parody music videos. I would love to do, like, not necessarily high produced, but definitely, like, something with a budget that is more than zero and just me with my shitty MP3 rock band microphone with audacity. Right. Like, video parody of this, but I have no idea how to be able to pull that off on my own because I would definitely need, like, a crew. You'll get there. <laughs> it's all about building your team, it's man. It's all about building, building my team. Uh, it's all about building your <laughs> army. Oh, my army. <laughs> my Dumbledore's army. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, I think this yeah. dovetails nicely into the last yes. question, which is uh, how do you feel like your love of Harry Potter has influenced you creatively in your life in general? Uh, well, that parody, for one thing. For um, sure. For sure. But, We've um, seen a lot of yes. physical representation of how it's this is, this is true. influenced you creatively. Um, well, Harry Potter... Uh, someone someone made a Tumblr post a while ago of someone like I want to thank J.K. Rowling for shaping my life uh, for like um, you know changing my life and then someone said no I read the books when I was nine I grew up with this Harry Potter didn't change my life it shaped my life mm. and I sort of that's sort of how I feel about it like I mean I was ten years old when I saw Sorcerer's Stone that's when I started reading the books Harry was eleven and I was ten so <laughs> and I would follow the ages of the actors. Because they weren't 
they're not that much older than I am. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a thing that was just sort of I grew up with those characters, and that's like the most formative years yeah. I think it, are those like middle school years into high school. Yeah. That's really when you start to become a person and not yeah. a little kid. Her, her, like Hermione is sort of a big reason I am who I am today. That's um, awesome. Which is, which is why whenever people are like, ugh people should stop complaining about representation i'm just like no we can go no. ahead we can go ahead and make you know characters no. or whatever i had hermione like yeah. we can go ahead and do whatever the hell you want i got hermione like i got the perfect example i could need to sort of be an adult like i have not gotten this tattoo yet but i'm going to get a basically a hermione tattoo on my shoulder i still have to like get the funds and go have a consultation and you know get over my fear of tattoos sure but i really want to get uh her patronus is an otter Mm -hmm. so i want to get sort of a silvery wispy otter on my uh shoulder and then i want to get in the harry potter text the brightest witch of her age underneath Uh, that sounds awesome (laughs) i Um, love that the only other thing i'm gonna say before uh before we sign off because i know that this is the last question because i even listened to the new mbsing episode today. you are a dream (laughs) no i I i can't believe you've listened to every episode especially in such a short period of time yeah well insane yeah i've i'm pretty much all caught up on the nerdologues network at this point i still have to download the new catch-up but nice um, i'm pretty much all caught up on the nerdologues network now i've finished night Vale. i'm making my way through a thrilling adventure hour nice cool good choices yeah Um, but yeah i believe my patronus i have debated this a while um I've never seen a Patronus that's more than one animal, unless it's, like, multiple casters. Mm-hmm. But I had always imagined my Patronus would be, like, a flock of butterflies. Oh, cool. <laughs> or just one butterfly. But I like the idea of a flock of butterflies coming out of my wand and scaring off the Dementors. I love and that. Another reason that I really want to get the Patronus tattoo is... um. Recently, um, I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety, and I mean, I've been dealing with that and going through with that, and I've always dealt with anxiety. Now there's just a diagnosis. Sure. But sort of the Dementors were J.K. Rowling's, um, I guess, allegorical interpretation of her depression. So, like, just sort of a Patronus also just means a lot of hope and a lot of fighting off the badness away. And I know that anxiety and depression aren't exactly the same thing, but the oh, symptoms, but they go hand in hand and the symptoms are similar. So yeah. I want to get Hermione's Patronus because it means a lot to me because I've, you know, a Patronus is a symbol of hope and of moving forward. And also uh, J.K. Rowling may or may not be the reason that the baby otter at the Shedd Aquarium is called Luna. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's really fucking touching. And I, I think that's really, mm-hmm. really yep. important. I, I, um, I'm, I'm with you. Also, to continue on with this, I was... I was really badly bullied in elementary school. Like, by the time I hit the weird, like, charter school that I went to in Mm -hmm. seventh grade, um, I was definitely the outcast. And, Mm -hmm. like, I made friends because I was like, hey, so I like Harry Potter, Monty Python, and whose line is it anyway? And the Beatles. (laughs) And they were all like, oh, we like those things, too. Let's talk about it. That's great. So, to some extent, Harry Potter was the reason I made friends in seventh grade. That's awesome. (laughs) Good for you. There's got to be something. And... I think that it's the sign of some of the most successful, like, um, art and, Mm -hmm. and, and pop culture is when people can use it for things like that, Mm -hmm. uh, for, for comfort and for community building. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think that's all really cool. And it's such a continued testament. I know I've said it a bunch of times, but Mm -hmm. it's really just a testament to the thing that JK Rowling created. Yeah. Uh, so what would your Patronus be, Mary Beth? (sighs) 
probably like a baby wolf, Aww. like a little wolf cub. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, that's so cute. I think that's because in in my mind I was like wolf, but I was like, mm, but that's like a little too fear, like yeah. but like a little wolf cub, but he's yeah. like real ferocious. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love that because like tigers are my favorite animal, but I'm just like a tiger is a little too ferocious right. for who I am as a person. I um, feel the so same. I was like, like wolves are my favorite animals. So I mine would be a flock of butterflies. I love that. It's adorable. <laughs> Katie, thank you so much for doing this well, with thanks me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, you know, taking my Facebook message to being like, I want to be on the show and talk about Harry Potter. I'm like, yeah, totally. Here's the time. We're yep. going to do that. Of course. That's what, that's, I try yeah. to make things happen. No, and I, you've been so like supportive and amazing for oh. coming to shows and listening. And you're the reason that, you know, we, I do things like this. Absolutely. Like I, and I hope that, um, comes across as good to you yeah. because and I, I hope to continue to be involved both just sort of as an audience member and like i know the nerdalogs sort of have yeah. their own cast figured out but maybe it'd be cool down the line if like i ended up getting more involved with them yeah yeah <laughs> we're definitely expanding our horizons and mm-hmm. we know that we like you and you like us and stuff so that's you know the first part of, that's the first Woo! step <laughs> uh thank you so much katie i love you i mean I, that i love you too mary beth oh my god This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.